let's take a look at a Rails application and look at all the different files and folders inside of it so that we can get an idea of what's going on. So if we create a new Rails app, I'm just going to call one called blog and we'll let it run the uh, script to set itself up. It generates a whole bunch of files and we can see here there is quite a few. So next it installs all the, the gems that it's going to depend upon, which are like Rails itself and its dependencies. So now that we have the blog created, we can open it up in our text editor and take a look. The first thing that we probably want to take a look at is this config.ru file. So this file basically says, let's load our environment file and then run our Rails application. So this is called a rackup file. And a rackup file is basically saying, hey, we want to run a web server. Rack is a tool to allow you to build a web server really easily. And that is what this file does. So you can pass this into something like Unicorn or Passenger, and it will know how to hand off um, requests that come into your website to your application. So you don't have to run Rails here, you can use Sinatra or anything that's rack based and have a config rackup file. So what Rails does is loads Rails and then runs your Rails application. So how do we go do that? Um, well when you come into the config file there's a few different files. The boot file is what loads up your gem file and then runs bundler to set up those gems. So this sort of boots your application, makes sure you have all your dependencies and Rails itself and all of that. Inside your application file, it runs your, it loads that boot file and then requires Rails. And it will also require your groups in your Rails application. So in development, you'll run the development group and require those in production you'll do the production ones and if you're testing you'll do those too so inside the application file you also have a little config block here that allows you to set some global config items so you might set your default language and locale for your application or your default time zone um, and you might set up some other things that we won't go into here so that is just sort of the very highest level. And if you take a look into your environments folder, this is where your development environment config is, your production, and your test. So in development, it doesn't cache your classes, so it reloads your application every time. And it has a bunch of different things, so you can set it to raise delivery, email errors, and a bunch of other things. In production, it's similar but also quite a bit different. They cache things so it's faster and uh, compress your JavaScript and don't serve your asset files because they want you to use Nginx or Apache to do that and so on. So that's your environments folder and they're per environment configurations basically. Your initializers are a bunch of things to initialize aspects of your Rails application. So if you're having cookies, well, inside your cookies, we should probably store JSON, for example. Um, there's really not anything too much to look at here. Sometimes if you add a gem, you'll add an initializer, like Devise has one, and that will be used to configure Devise as you load your application. 
Locales are somewhat obvious. You have your different translations by default. Um, there's just hello world. And you can use these by calling them by name with the T method. And it will look it up inside of your locale. So if you add IT, then you'll be able to add Italian. And when um, the language or locale is set to IT or Spanish or whatever, um, you'll be able to add those, add a hello named one, and then put your translation in there. So that's really cool. Um, but you probably don't need to mess with it by default. So we've talked about the application, the boot, your database.yaml is very, very simple. It has a bunch of different environments and you set up your database configs for these. So by default, your Rails application pulls out this default one and all of these share it and just override the database name in there. So they're all using SQLite 3. Normally, you're going to want to use PostgreSQL or MySQL and add probably a username and password in there. So you can set it up if you don't want to inherit the default options. You can always put that stuff in your specific ones and delete this line. That's what I generally do. Production, you'll have a different username and password and you don't usually want to save it in here. So that's where the secrets.yaml will come in. Your environment file just initializes your Rails application, requires the application. So actually the rack up will load config environment. So then it goes to config environment, which then goes to application and then requires all of those, which requires boot and so on. So it has a little bit of a, a process that it goes through and each piece is very, very small, very specific to what it does and broken out. Your routes is the different URLs and where they go in your application. So you'll be able to set these. They have a ton of examples and that's where you define the URLs that you'll have in your app and where they go to. So this new feature uh, of Rails 4 is the secrets.yaml and this is basically a file that you can say in development will have these secret keys and production will have some too but we're going to store those in the environment. So those environment variables that we talked about are important here because in production, you want that private key, so maybe it's an API key or email server password. You want that to only stay on your production server, and that's why uh, you can set it in the environment, and then you don't have to keep it in your code base. So that's much safer that way. Your bin directory has a few uh, stubs, basically, for these uh, executable so the rails executable you could type bin slash rails and then execute rails in with this tool so it'll load Ruby and then try to load spring which allows your applications to run a little faster and then it loads application and boot and runs your rails commands so these are basically little uh, stubs for your executables that allow you to like keep that stored inside of your Rails application. So if you want to tweak this and add pry or something, you could do that too. Your app is where all of your code goes. App assets is where all of your images, JavaScript, and style sheets go. Your controllers folder is for the um, the business logic generally, like where do we send this request to? 
and where does it go. You kind of like organizing where things happen. Concerns are a way of pulling out some of the repeated stuff and controllers. Uh, helpers are for your views. So when you have you're displaying someone's name, you can take their first and last names and add them together. Make a little helper helper method to accomplish that. There mailers are for of course your mailers. So if you want to send an email, you'll define your the way that that happens, and your email templates will go inside of views for those. So models, before we skip ahead to views, models are your database tables and database models as they call them. Concerns here are the same thing. So if you have a concern that is shared between several models, so they do similar things, you can pull it out into a concern. Views, you have a layouts folder, which is for your um, general layout of your web page. And then that will yield to the other views that you have. So when you have like a sign-in page, it will use the same layout and we'll just put the sign-in box in the middle of the page, for example. So uh, you can make more layouts and have different sort of styles of the way your application looks. Your DB folder will have uh, just seeds by default, and these are a way for you to add default data into your database. So you could create some cities by default or mayors. These are just examples. But when you also create database tables, there will be a migrations folder in here that stores those. So the migrations folder will keep track of all the changes you make to your database and allow you to be able to replicate it and move back and forth between them. Uh, the lib folder is uh, some libraries that you may or may not use. A lot of Rails applications that are big will use them. So you can have these uh, extra tools to help you build your Rails app. Your logs folder is doesn't have any logs in it right now, but when you run your Rails server, it will store your log files in there so you can see what's been happening. Your public folder are these public files. So when something goes wrong or you hit a URL uh, that doesn't exist, you can have these static files that are available that um, won't get compiled through the asset pipeline. So they'll just get served up directly and that's it. So the robots.txt one for the search engines is a good example. You probably don't need to uh, mess with this ever or compile it or anything. So you just put it in there and that's how it'll work. Uh, your test directory has a bunch of stuff for testing your controllers, uh, creating fixtures so you can test against them, test for your helpers, integration tests, mailer tests, model tests, and a helper that uh, it helps you set up your testing environment. Uh, your temp folder is for when you compile uh, your assets and just temporary files that Rails needs to create once in a while. Your vendor folder, um, if you use something like Bootstrap, for example, you could put Bootstrap style sheets and JavaScript inside of here. Vendor is basically for stuff that is third party that you want to use in your Rails application, but you're never going to change it. So you don't really want to keep it inside of your app folder. You usually put it in your, your vendor folder. Um, and last but not least, we have your gem file. It declares that we're using Rails and SQLite and all of these gems. Just our dependencies, your gem file.lock 
takes this information and then writes down the specific versions and all the dependencies for each of those that you'll use. So this file is really important because when you test that your application works on your computer, when you put it on your server, it will use the exact same versions so that you know your app's going to work on your server. And that's really important because uh, you don't want to deploy it to production and break things. So your rack file is basically going to load your application and provide you some tasks that you can run from the command line. So you can run your migrations with rake and this just loads up rake and defines how it'll work. So there's really not a whole lot to it. You may or may not tweak this at some point, but that's about it. Your readme, of course, uh, just a stub for how your readme should look. If you're going to use rdoc, I usually rename, rename this to .md so I can use markdown and then just change all of this to keep track of, hey, here's how you create your database and here's how you do run your tests and so on. So there's not a whole lot to a Rails application, but there's quite a few little things that you need to like dive into and, and be familiar with. A lot of people don't edit the application.rb or the environment.rb or especially the config rackup file. No one very rarely edits that. So don't be afraid of it. It's just running regular Ruby code and loading up these files and, and running these commands. So they're not none of this is special. All of Rails is just Ruby code, so don't be afraid of any of these things or fiddling with them because it's it's not bad to do that. This is your code, so you should be okay with editing any of it. So that's a good explanation of the directory structure and what they all kind of do in a Rails application.